Barry Sherry here. Thanks for tuning in to Pink Noise, a radio show dedicated to amplifying the voices of those who have mined and shined their inner gold. I'm recording on board a floating home that I share with my partner in Seattle, Washington. I would like to acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral lands of the Duwamish people, past and present. Now, to get this party of two started, let me tell you a little bit about what's happening in today's episode. My guest is Karenna Nukershner, and she overcame her own self-sabotaging beliefs that kept her from living the life she imagined was possible. And since that happened, she's sharing her own lessons on how, in an effort to encourage others. To demonstrate how it works, and by it, I mean her process of RIM. Karenna is a certified facilitator. RIM stands for Regenerating Images in Memory. It's rooted in cutting-edge psychology, neuroscience, and intuition. And as I was saying, to demonstrate how it works, about halfway through the hour, she's going to do a demo with me so I can get clarity on one of my emotional blocks. It feels super vulnerable to reveal all that comes through. But what kind of host would I be if I wasn't willing to be open as I want my guests to be with me? That said, let's dive in. So nice to have you on the show today, Corona. Yeah, nice to be here. Thank you. So in the story that you told me as we were getting to know each other, you went on a journey and decided to focus on this feeling of self-loathing and Mm -hmm. understand it, where it comes from and how to combat it. Mm -hmm. And your business now is called Hello Inner Light. Uh Uh-huh. Just hearing that, (laughs) I feel more open Mm. and like I want to smile when I say it. It's, you know, people listening on the radio can't see me smiling, but it's such an invitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I named it, because I think the inner light is this beautiful, authentic part of each and every one of us you know, and it's in, it's within us always. There's no way to destroy it or remove it, no matter how far we feel like we're off our course or uh, ways that we judge ourselves or whatever. There's just this magic alive deep within. And um, it guides my life more and more whenever I pay attention to it, whenever I focus on it and allow it to guide me. And that's really what I love to access with my clients as well. Yeah. And this, this journey to get there, what are you uncovering when you um, talk about in your work, removing subconscious blocks, mm-hmm. you know, healing emotional wounds? Yeah. Can you describe for me that, that process a little bit? Like, what would be the first thing you do with a client that comes to you? Yeah, well, the interesting part is that our subconscious blocks, which I see as just um, beliefs or emotional wounds or any sort of thing that blocks our innate intelligence, our innate magic, our inner light, as I mentioned before, um, those things are just kind of like gummed up 
in our subconscious, deep in our psyche. And we got them when we were children or because we live in a patriarchy or because of family of origin stuff or whatever. And the thing is, is that those subconscious blocks are always affecting our everyday lives through our emotional reactions, through repeating patterns or compulsive behaviors, through triggers, that kind of stuff. They're always speaking to us. They're always asking us for attention and healing. And I, um, the way to start with my clients is always to feel in your body because you're whole mind, your subconscious and conscious mind is contained in every cell of your body. And it's in your everyday embodied experience of life. So with every single thing, no matter what anybody wants to heal, we ask their body um, what it's feeling and where it wants to guide us. And then that has this great unfolding quality into this magical realm of the inner light of this, I just call it the deep inner wisdom, because there's so many words that can um, encapsulate that magic and that light and that healing potential deep within. Um, but we all have it and it really does just exist. And our bodies are just a brilliant gateway for us to begin to drop in and feel it and connect with it. And you said that you start with the body. Mm -hmm. So is this a somatic practice of feeling and noticing like where the discomfort lives yeah, well, it's like the somatic practice is sort of like the gateway. It's kind of where we dive off from and it informs every step of this. But really, uh, the process is an emotional healing process, but the body is integrately involved in every single aspect of emotion, of thoughts, of limiting beliefs. All these things are all completely found in our cells, in our tissues, and so it's, it's the jumping off point and we continue to dive deeper and deeper into the somatic world as we go through it. But I don't really call it a somatic process just because it's really an emotional healing process. And so the, um, the wholeness of the individual includes the body. And, and so we just continually in, include the body in this process. There's a part of me that wants to be a guinea pig and ask you, like, if I were your client, how would we begin? Yeah, I mean, we could do a little mini thing if you want. I would love, I love to do experiential stuff because without it, the subconscious work is so theoretical because our conscious mind understands the world on one level, but really our experience of the world on a physical level, on an emotional level, on... Um, so many different levels exists below our conscious awareness. And so I love talking about it. I mean, I could talk about it for hours, but the experiential is so much more informative sometimes. It takes it away from just theorizing and it brings it into the body, into the experience and it's transformative, so. Well, I'm super up for that. And I'd, okay. like, to, I'd like to pin it and come mm -hmm. back to it. Okay. Because we're here to learn about your journey and where you were and how you moved into this work. Hold One on. of the things I love to do on my program is really examine the pivot point, mm -hmm. the pivot point where someone was having an experience in their life and they realized there was something less optimal about it, mm. something mm -hmm. they wanted to shift and make a change from where they were to some other way that they imagined they could be. And mm -hmm. in that other imagined state, they found more peace 
or more joy or more ease or more happiness, whatever the, the desired impact is. Mm-hmm. And, and sharing stories of folks that are now following the thread of aliveness. Mm-hmm. I think that if we can share more of those stories, that perhaps we could inspire individuals to imagine the possibilities for themselves. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So will yeah. you share more of your personal journey and where you were before Hello Inner Light? Yeah, yeah, I would love to. So um, my pivot point is really clear. Um, I had postpartum depression after having my first baby. I was 29 and it was my absolute darkest night of the soul. But the reality is, is that it was a wake up call for me because for my whole life, I had been living a little bit of a split life. Like on the surface, I just looked like this highly functional, you know, happy person. I I had um, a really high ability to overachieve and to notice what people expected of me and try to fill that role. So to the outside world, I think I generally looked pretty capable, pretty functional, pretty happy. You know, people came to me and told me their problems and, and that kind of stuff. But deep inside, I um, just had this really deep self-loathing. Like I just couldn't quiet the inner critic, not even, not even a little bit. And um, I also had this really deep social anxiety. So I spent a lot of my life trying to control social situations, trying to avoid social situations, or just feeling incredibly overwhelmed in social situations. And I just kept plugging away. I mean, you know, I look back at myself in those years, like, especially in my 20s, like, I was working so hard to try to look good on the outside, try to hold it together. You know, I was, I was trying so hard to be that functional, capable person that I wanted to be. But the internal noise was so loud and the internal pain was so big, just this self-loathing and, and um, I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I, I meditated, I did yoga, I tried the things and I didn't know what to do with it. And then I had a baby, which was a lifelong dream, you know, like I'd always wanted to have a child. So it wasn't even like this was a, a difficult circumstance for me. And as, um, right after I had him, it was just like, I hit this darkness. And so that was definitely my pivot point because it was a point where I couldn't pretend anymore. I couldn't, um, I couldn't move forward. All of a sudden the functionality that I kind of relied on to feel normal or look normal or, you know, feel like I fit in the world. It just was gone. I was in my bathroom with the lights off crying on the floor, you know, like it was just like, it was just one of those moments where um, I knew I couldn't move forward in the same way that I that I had been. And I, again, looking back on it and I'm grateful for it because I think I needed to hit a wall. I needed my coping mechanisms that were actually kind of smothering my soul. They were smothering my light. I needed those coping mechanisms to fail me on some level, even though it was really painful. And uh, I also think it coincided with me giving birth because I so deeply wanted to be a mom who could nurture the light of this human who had just come in, you know, like I, I, in in the bigger picture, I see that I had such a deep intention to help hold space for him to be himself, that there was no way I could do that if I couldn't even allow myself to be myself. So it was a, yeah, it was a deep moment of, of, um, 
reckoning maybe I think reckoning is a good word for my soul to to call out like you can't go you can't go forward like you've been this is the this is the moment that you have to reevaluate so what I'm hearing you say is that for in order for you to be able to guide your your son into his light you would to guide yourself into your own light first yeah to learn yeah. how to be that role model yeah and so if you were not feeling happy with i don't even know happy is a bit of a assumption you didn't say that you weren't happy yeah but there was something maybe not as fulfilling as you would have liked about the direction that you had chosen for yourself professionally before he was born. Yeah. And you yeah. felt you couldn't go back to it. Well, yeah. And professionally, I was a massage therapist and I continued to do that for a few years until I got tendonitis. But it was more of like a personal pivot point where it was like, I just couldn't go on with this self-loathing. I it, it, it got too big to be ignored is one of the things that happened. It came to the forefront and needed to be dealt with. Um, and so I, um, I got some professional training in trauma resolution, which was really, really helpful. I spent a couple of years doing that. I did a decade of therapy, so that was also really helpful. Um, and I just started reevaluating my life and looking at it differently. Um, and the, the trauma resolution training, that really helped me understand just the nervous system and how mine was just a mess, you know, like it was just a mess. And these things started helping me regulate and calm, but I still had this really incredible self-loathing that just persisted. Um, even though the, the therapy brought down the anxiety a little bit, the trauma work brought down the anxiety a little bit, they brought down the self-loathing a little bit, but um, it was still a big struggle for me. My, my inner world felt really full of pain. I think, I think pain's probably the best word I can use, even though it's a little bit vague, but it just, it just felt like um, there was this internal turmoil that I was just kind of touching the surface of with therapy and all these things. And um, then just a few years ago, I found this thing called regenerating images and memory, which is this emotional processing technique that helps you incorporate the subconscious. And all of a sudden I had these huge jumps. Like I, my social anxiety went down like 50% in the first three months, which was crazy after 10 years of doing therapy and all this stuff and just watching it slowly, slowly, slowly come down. It was this huge, um, relief. It was this massive relief. And I realized that the self-loathing and the social anxiety were really all just this big ball of shame within me that I wasn't even really, I was carrying it more just because it would, had been handed to me, you know, just accidentally through our culture and our programming and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I had taken it in and identified with it. And then when I could just go into my subconscious and begin to dialogue with this deeper wisdom and also become aware of the painful shame that I was carrying. It was this remarkable um, opening for me to realize that um, there was something completely different going on inside than I'd been touching with therapy or I'd been touching because I'd been coming at everything with my conscious mind coming down, trying to understand it. And instead regenerating images and memory took me straight into the subconscious where then I could kind of excavate it. And it just became um, 
this amazing thing. And that's when I completely, like, I, I just completely decided my way forward was regenerating images and memory. It was just like, um, I now feel like I'm like an evangelist <laughs> for regenerating images and memory, just because it's so the exact medicine that I needed, you know, in my, in my continual journey to unravel the self-loathing in my continual journey to unravel the anxiety. And it's been an amazing journey because I've gotten to know myself on such a deeper level. And that part of me that was pretending for all those years, trying so hard, you know, trying to look like I fit in and all that kind of stuff. I can really honor that part of me for um, how, for just the service it provided me when I didn't know what else to do, you know? And now I can see that I can problem solve so much better than that. I don't have to pretend all the time, although it's okay if I do, you know, every once in a while, it's not like life is all of a sudden, you know, completely figured out, but it's been this beautiful journey of self-love, self-acceptance, seeing the pain and being able to love and accept it, seeing the coping mechanism parts of me, like that pretending part, you know, and being able to love and accept that. And so it's been this, expansive journey of knowing who I am on such a deeper level and honoring all of these aspects of myself while I just get to free myself from the the shackles of that self-loathing and and the anxiety and now I feel like I have a pretty healthy relationship with anxiety it's not like I'm never anxious but there's just this um it's just kind of like a normal healthy level that doesn't hold me back in life. You know, I can work through it. I can breathe through it. I can, I can allow myself to feel it. And, and the self-loathing is totally different too. I've now really identified my inner critic as a part of my psyche that was just trying to keep me safe. It was trying in, in the worst way ever, you know, because that self-loathing, that critical voice was so cruel, but it was really just trying to keep me from, being shamed more, you know, from putting myself in into a world that felt really, really frightening or a world that felt really, really attacking to me. Um, so yeah, so I've really transformed my inner relationship and, and um, it's been the biggest blessing I can imagine. I'm so deeply grateful for the journey and for the journey of self-acceptance, especially. It's a journey that I put a lot of value into. The journey of self-acceptance and folks that follow me know that I did a live program all through 2019 called Love Church. And the the message there was to really celebrate and let out your inner weirdo. (laughs) All the parts of you are welcome here. Mm -hmm. And as and as you welcome all the parts of you here, let's celebrate them Mm -hmm. and and not not deny them, but to revel in the uniqueness of who you are. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share any specific example of something that you were able to transform. Like I'm I'm seeing you in front of me here in this, you know, Zoom land. Uh-huh. And, um, really seeming at peace with yourself and so full of joy and acceptance that I believe you, I believe that this work transformed how you show up how you see yourself yeah and I'd love to hear I'd love to go on a little bit more of the journey with you yeah so what was a social situation that caused you anxiety what did your inner critic say 
And then after you did, do you say RIM? Yeah, yeah. It's RIM or Regenerating Images and Memory is the long form, but you can also just shorten it to RIM, which is a lot easier. Okay. So after you did the RIM practice, mm-hmm. um, could you use that same example of what would cause you social anxiety? And then what did you have access to think of differently after? Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, I think I'm going to go with a, a recent example because it feels really pertinent to me. Um, but it's a continual journey of unfolding. And so um, recently, I've been doing a lot of promotions for my business that require me to, you know, put myself out there and that kind of stuff. And um, I love that because I feel like I'm offering something beautiful and I want to. But I had a big one a few weeks ago and I spent like the whole week crying. It was just so intense for me that this pushing outside this small little box that I've kept myself in, you know, actually saying to the world, like, I think I have something to offer. I think I have something of value. Even just using my voice, you know, felt like out of my comfort zone. So I just kept like, and it was like funny things. Like I was looking out my my back window and I saw this coyote limp by and it had an injured paw. And I was just like this, I was just crying all over it. I was like, oh my gosh. And so I was like, okay, girl, like your imposter syndrome is up. Your emotions are up. You know, like you're coming out of this, um, this box that's keeping you small, but also this box that's very comfortable. So I decided to um, do a regenerating images in memory, you know, thing on myself. And this is where the story will get, um, it gets a little nonlinear because the subconscious mind is a very nonlinear thing. And it speaks to us through metaphor and symbol and feelings. And so it doesn't always totally translate to like everybody else being able to relate to what I'm sharing. But anyway, so I decided to work with whatever was coming up for, for me, which felt like imposter syndrome. It felt like just being so vulnerable, I could hardly do it. You know what I mean? Like this, this intense vulnerability of putting myself into the world and putting my heart into the world, really, because I love what I do. And I truly believe in it, you know, Um, but there's a deep vulnerability to being so, so open with that and and just knowing that the world could reject it. And if the world rejects it, I will be okay. I realize that. But anyway, the, the heightened emotions, the imposter syndrome were coming up. And so I started with Rimba um, body, sensing my body. And I felt this huge blockage in my throat, right? In my voice, which doesn't surprise me terribly much, right? Because there's been a lot of blockages to my voice with that deep shame and that anxiety. I, I, I oftentimes didn't use my voice, didn't speak up. The next step in RIM, once you really, really sense it, really connect with your body is you start to, your imagination starts to inform you like the color, the shape, the texture, what, you know, what is the form here according to your imagination, because this, the subconscious speaks in symbols and metaphors. And so this block in my throat became the form of this like uptight white guy in a tan blazer who was like an Ivy League college person. And I was like, what is this? This is clearly not me. Like I am not, you know, I don't, I'm none of those things, you know, I don't own a tan blazer and I'm not an Ivy League person, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so I started to dialogue. Again, this might sound a little bit strange or or nonlinear, but this is what you do with RIM is you start dialoguing with the energies as you see them, as you sense them, as you feel them. And I realized that that was who I thought I needed to be 
to get unconditional acceptance, you know, like, and it makes a lot of sense with the patriarchy and this kind of stuff that we do. We value men, we value a snooty education, we value this uptight, you know, sort of linear, logical, non-emotional sort of thing. But it was blocking my communication because it's who I thought I should be for unconditional acceptance, but it is nothing like who I am. And so what I was able to do in this dialogue was I was able to re-own who I actually am. I was able to determine connecting with my heart, my body, and, you know, this deep inner wisdom that I was okay to be rejected as I am and that I'd actually prefer being rejected for who I am than accepted for being who I'm not. You know, like it was this huge thing, but it came through in the feelings. It came through in the knowing. And and um, I mean, if I can get a little sciency here, regenerating images and memory, um, there's really two phases to why it rewires your subconscious. The first is it just makes the unconscious conscious, right? So it makes, I realized that I was trying to be something I wasn't. You know, I was trying to be this uptight, well-educated white dude in a tan blazer. I mean, I know that's really specific, but the image was so specific to me. You know, I realized that I was trying to do that. So that had been an unconscious pattern of tension, an unconscious blockage, you know, that I wasn't aware I was really doing, even if I felt it sometimes, that I wasn't fully aware of the extent that it was in my life. So that's step one is you just make the unconscious conscious. And then the second step is that you have an incongruent emotional experience from what you've had. So my emotional experience previous was, I'm so afraid of being rejected. I'm going to pretend to be something I'm not. The new experience I had was like, I would rather be rejected for my truth than accepted for my lie. You know, so there was an incongruent emotional experience. It was a new emotional experience. It was different than what I had always done. And it's like you feel it in every cell of your body, you know, and, and it just feels like it was this huge release. And then I was able to be so much more honest and less afraid in putting myself out there, which is, which is a really tender, vulnerable experience for me. I, I imagine it would be a vulnerable and tender experience for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got so lit up. <laughs> and and feeling of aliveness when I heard you say, I'd rather be rejected for who I am than accepted for who I'm not. Yeah. I mean, could there just be a bigger, you know, aha moment? Right. I mean, that that is the reason why I've been so drawn to the authentic relating practice. Mm-hmm. How can I show it more fully as myself? Mm-hmm. And to show it more fully as myself. I have to first know myself yeah. and to know myself, I have to get quiet and listen, right? Yeah. I have yeah. to slow down and I have to make the unconscious conscious. Totally. And that's part of the practice of just being with yourself and knowing what that even is right? to yeah. then be more of it. <laughs> So what's, yeah. what's this process for you? You said make unconscious conscious mm-hmm. and, and identify what the incongruent emotional experience is. Yeah. Right? Did I get that right? 
yeah, yeah. I just say have an incongruent emotional experience because my emotional experience before was one of real fear. And my emotional experience that came in was incongruent to that fear. It was like, no, I'm okay. I can do this, you know, like, and it, it just, you feel it in every cell of your body when it comes naturally, like it bubbles forth naturally from within um, through the regenerating images and memory process. But yeah, those are the two um, it's actually called uh, memory reconsolidation is like the scientific psychological term for that. But that's what actually rewires those subconscious neural pathways, because it was subconscious that I was trying to, you know, I, I knew I had a block in my voice. And I've known for a long time that I've had this tendency to pretend, you know, like neither of those was totally a surprise to me, but this unfolded in such a specific way in such a visceral way that it was almost like the experience of overcoming that. It was the experience of, of feeling, you know, that I'd rather be rejected than accepted for who I'm not, you know? So it was like, it's, it's like this big visceral experience that that brings it home so deeply because I, I, I've talked the language of self-love for a really long time, but haven't known how to embody it, you know, like, like I've wanted it and I could read books about it and that kind of stuff. But for me, this brings it into my experience. It brings it into my reality on like, um, a deep way, which I, I think I needed because I think that I've had a lot of incongruence in my life where I just stayed on my conscious level or my ego level or, you know, my putting on a mask in front of people level. And, um, and so it's taken a lot of work for me to come into this space where, where I can be more authentic. And, um, another piece of it that is kind of inherent in that story, like it's kind of implied by that story it's like I felt a lack of safety being myself. So I created this little false self. And that's what I find a lot of times when I'm with my clients is it's, it's a problem solving coping mechanism that they developed really young because of a feeling of lack of safety or because of a feeling of lack of belonging or a feeling of inadequacy or one of those really vulnerable feelings that we have deep inside. Um, and so these blocks are commonly attempts to solve the feeling of being unsafe or, you know, attempts to solve the feeling of being inadequate or, or something like that. When we actually start dialoguing with these subconscious blocks, that's, that's, oh God, 90% of the time, at least it's, it's some sort of coping mechanism to try to try to survive in a world that feels too much or, you know, a world that feels uncomfortable to some degree. So what would be the process with the client when you're talking to them about their childhood, for example, mm -hmm. and when was a time where you didn't feel safe? And what would you have done in order to create a protection? You know, like yeah. what mask would you have put on to right. feel more safe in the situation? And and the sense I get about that is that because we're so wired for belonging, if we feel like we don't fit in, not fitting in equals unsafe. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we do what we need to do to fit in. And that's about assimilation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So we try to be like other people around us because yeah. we think that that's alignment. We think that that's the goal. 
to fit in to be like everyone else. Right. And so how would you work with someone if that's what was coming up for them? Yeah. And I'll just own it. Like that's, that's part of my story. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And that makes so much sense to me because a lack of belonging does feel like a threat to our survival to some degree when we're so small, you know, when we're little. So I always do regenerating images and memory. So I'm not really even talking with them in the traditional sense. Um, because like you and I talking, we're talking heart to heart, like I definitely feel the connection, but a lot of it comes from our conscious mind and RIM is really about coming from the subconscious. And so it is this process of just feeling and then imagining and then dialoguing and unfolding. Um, and like I said, if you wanna do just a brief little try, we could do that because it, it makes it a little more real um, since it's very unusual from how we interact with people on a day-to-day -day level. So. It is verbal. I speak to my clients, but we're not having a conscious mind to conscious mind dialogue. I'm more of like a guide to help them find the truth within them, find the truth of the pain or find the truth of the wisdom because they're both in there and they're both deeply important and, and both need to be processed and reconnected to oftentimes. Well, Corinna, I can feel my heart racing. Okay. At the idea of doing this process with you. Uh, so the answer is yes. Yay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, do you want me just to dive right in? Yes, please. Okay. So I'm just going to kind of guide a, a sort of generic thing, but it goes deep really fast. So you just get to relax and enjoy. And, um, and all the listeners who are doing this, they also get to relax and enjoy. So don't do this when you're driving or anything like that, but um, just find a place where you can comfortably and safely close your eyes. And then just bring to mind someplace in your life where you'd like a little bit more clarity. Maybe it has to do with what we've been talking about, this authenticity versus the masks we wear, or maybe it has to do with something else. Just bring to mind whatever it is that you would like clarity with. If you really knew me, you'd know how expressive and extroverted and um, and kind of like big personality I can be. And I've had this question around how will, how do I know when I'm too much? Mm. Like what's, what's the sign that I'm too much or what's the sign that I'm stretching into performative Sherry versus, Hey man, this is just the essence of who I am coming out. Like mm -hmm. I'm just letting it all out. And this is just, you know, me being me. So there is this question of how will I know if, it, if I'm being too much? Mm -hmm. Like, when do I shut it down? Mm -hmm. Is there a limit? And is it based on someone else's comfort zone? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm playing with. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great one. Cool. All right. Well, are you ready to dive in? I'm ready to dive in. Okay, cool. So you can just let your eyes close and just bring your awareness to your breath. Imagining that you could breathe in clean, healing energy from the universe with every inhale. And with every exhale, you release tension from a deeper and deeper place within till eventually you're releasing tension from your toes. 
Imagining that you could breathe in through your heart and out through your hands. Breathing in through your heart and out through your belly button. Breathing in through your heart, breathe out through the soles of your feet. Breathing in through your heart, breathe out through the crown of your head. And now just bring that question to mind, like how will I know if I'm being too much? Is that my comfort level, someone else's? Just bring that whole issue to mind. And then feel your body react to it. Your body will have a reaction somewhere. There may be discomfort, tension, numbness even. My chest feels tight. Feels mm -hmm. um, like there's pressure mm -hmm. on my chest. Yeah. And is the pressure more on the right or the left or is it centralized? It's very centralized and it's very dense. Very dense, yeah. And is the pressure still or is it moving? It's more on the still side, but there is a vibration. Mm, yeah. And is it warm or cool or maybe neither? It's hot. It's hot, yeah. And what color is that hot, dense pressure? Well, it's surprisingly dark blue. And what shape is the dark blue? It has round edges mm -hmm. but it's but it's hard it's it's like a hard smooth surface mm. Mm. like um like pebbles yeah by a river bank that are getting continually washed yeah so the texture is smooth and round, but it's hard mm -hmm. and heavy. Mm -hmm. Your imagination is just going to take your awareness straight into those pebbles. It's like you go into the blue, the heaviness. Maybe there was a little vibration there. You could even vibrate with it. And you just dive fully in. You even become the pebbles you become the blue it's like you feel what they feel and know what they know and as the pebbles you're just going to speak aloud to sherry and as the pebbles you can just say what it's like to be me is What it's like to be me is uncertain of the impact I'm having on others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
caring almost too much mm-hmm. about what other people think of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how I feel emotionally when I care too much is how I feel emotionally when I care too much. God, hearing it saying it like that feels like a burden. Mm. Like I sort of don't don't want it. Yeah. Like I don't I don't want to care that much. Yeah about what other people think. I mean, I want to care what other people think about themselves. I don't want to care so much about what other people think about me. I don't care what I think about me. Yeah. And where do you feel that burden in your body? Mm. I think it's coming from my belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so just allow yourself to feel that in your belly. And just speaking aloud what it's like to carry this burden. It's heavy when I take it on Mm. and it's light when I set it down yeah and how I feel when I set it down is more relaxed and confident and more space to let everyone have the experience they want to have including myself yeah And where do you feel the relaxed, the confident, the space? Where do you feel that in your body? Uh, Shoulders and back. Mm -hmm. What color is it in your shoulders and back? just breathing making space for that yellow and orange confidence relaxed space really just making space for anything you're feeling and then continuing to speak to sherry as the pebbles or whatever they've transformed into you can just say to sherry What I really want or need is... What I really want or need is to feel at home and safe in this body to be fully Mm self-expressed. How that would feel is 
would feel empowering. Mm-hmm. And then just speaking to Sherry. Sherry, how it feels to say this to you is. Mm. It's a little scary. Mm. Because it makes it more clear that it's up to me to guide myself into that fully expressed space. It's not about getting permission or validation from anyone else. Mm. Yeah. And the scariest part of that is accountability I guess of knowing it and being willing to step into it without any reservation because mm-hmm. yeah. the because the reservation is the you know gremlins or internal critic mm-hmm. that would convince me to show up less than And I think what I want in that is the space for soft Sherry, quiet, reflective, open-hearted Sherry, who I'm becoming, to be just as welcomed as boisterous and extroverted to integrate these multitudes that I am. Yeah. Because what I know about soft Sherry is soft Sherry is learning to slow down. Soft Sherry is learning how to listen instead of speak. Soft Sherry is learning how to be curious instead of judgmental. Mm -hmm. Those are just a few top of mind examples. Yeah, yeah. And then as these pebbles just speak anything else that wants to be spoken from Sherry to Sherry until that feels complete. All of you is welcome. Don't concern yourself with the expectations of others. But seek your truth and let that be enough. yeah beautiful so now just bring your awareness as it feels right as the timing feels right move your awareness back into your wholeness the wholeness and totality of you your whole body 
And then just look back at those pebbles and receive a stream of colored energy representing everything that was just shared with you. What's the color and quality of that stream of colored energy? It's like aquamarine. Mm -hmm. And where does the aquamarine enter your body first? From my crown chakra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just fully receive that in whatever way feels right. It may stay in your crown. It may go everywhere. Whatever wants to happen will just naturally happen. And just let me know when you fully received it. So just take a moment, if, if this were a session, the sessions are really long, we would continue the dialogue, but just take a moment to honor, honor everything you've received, honor everything you've realized, just feeling it in your body, this aquamarine, this new perspective. And know that that's now a part of you. This new understanding, this new perspective is now anchored into you, into your cells, into your heart, into your spirit. And your unconscious mind is going to let you know that this is fully integrated by bringing full feeling and weight back into your arms and legs, fingers and toes and spontaneously opening your eyes. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> the prompt at the end, there's something about being guided out of a journey mm. with the instructions of spontaneously opening your eyes. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a guided meditation. It's like this slowly as you're ready to let the light come in. And there was something about the prompt of spontaneously opening your eyes. I once had that experience with my friend Lorraine, who's a hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. And I, I enjoyed the immediacy of the command. Mm -hmm. like be here now right come right. back now yeah it's it's such a delicious and refreshing invitation at yeah. presence and promptness with the word spontaneity like spontaneously yeah well in these journeys as you can imagine like with my clients they're usually like 90 minutes or more you can go far out so we need to bring people back <laughs> back to the here and now cuz it's just um i mean it's such a beautiful journey it's unique every single time cuz every single individual is so beautiful and and interesting and they've had their own experiences um but yeah that was really sweet to have you dialogue how's the heaviness now does it feel different it does. It feels lighter. Mm -hmm. um, I'm feeling a little bit of a tingle of a sensation between my shoulder blades. 
mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. back. And I, I don't know what that's about, but I think I'll put my, my shoulders back and sort of mm-hmm. stretch out that, that part as we talk. Yeah. Um, there's a, a slight awareness of self-consciousness mm. when I think about uh, sharing this mm-hmm. episode mm. and uh, I guess what it says about me or doesn't say about me. Mm. Uh, someone recently referred to an experience of being in a circle and sharing the next day, they refer to it as a vulnerability hangover. Yeah. And, you know, I, um, I'm just thinking of that phrase right now. <laughs> yeah. As part of maybe my, my current state. I've not done anything like this on a Pink Noise show before. Well, thank you for doing it with me. Obviously, there's trust here. Yeah. And there's a real sweetness to that vulnerability. You know, I I understand how it can feel, you know, the hangover part of it can feel not so good, but there's also such a beauty to it. It's, you know, like Brene Brown says, the vulnerability, you know, researcher, but that's what truly connects us. You know, we think it's that we're going to be, we're going to fit in, we're going to be accepted or whatever, but it's really the vulnerability, the the true heart-to-heart stuff that creates that connection. Well, thank you for bringing your magic to this conversation so that I can feel your ability to hold this container mm-hmm. and I can surrender myself, you know, in your presence to be guided in that way and say what first came to mind. Yeah. And I hope mm-hmm. that some of our listeners might have felt their own responses come up to your questions. Mm-hmm. And I'd be really interested in hearing feedback from anyone listening. If, you know, they ask themselves their own question that they wanted clarity around. Yeah. And was there space for that? So I'll, I'll welcome and invite any, any feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. This has been really fun. And thanks for your honest sharing. Of course. And before we part ways today, I'm wondering if there's more that you want to share about how individuals can learn more about the RIM practice. Yeah, yeah. Well, my business is Hello Inner Light. So my website is just helloinnerlight.com. And there's quite a lot of information there. But also, um, Regenerating Images and Memory was founded, and she came up with the whole concept and, and everything by Dr. Deborah Sandella, who is one of my teachers, and I think she's amazing. And she also has a website, um, riminstitute.com. So And I can put both those URLs in the show notes for our listeners to easily access both you you. and your teacher. Is there anything else that you want people to know about you and your work? It's such an honor to do this work in the world. It's my favorite thing I've ever done, um, both in my own healing journey and professionally. And feels like my dharma even, you know, like it feels like I found my place in the world where I'm meant to 
be and where I'm meant to serve. So, yeah, I've said this before in episodes, but it does seem to me with these incredible individuals that I get to meet in doing this show that we teach the medicine that healed us. Mm -hmm. And it definitely sounded like you found your medicine in this practice and you became a practitioner of it. Yeah. Just like I found my medicine in authentic relating. And now I'm a mentor and a facilitator and a practitioner of the work because I love what it gave me access to. And I love what I see it giving other people access to. Yep. Yep, exactly. And I I know it's made me a better uh, listener and communicator in relationships. Yeah. Relationships at home with my friends and even here in the program. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing more of your goodness with us. Yeah, thank you, Sherry. And that wraps up another episode of Pink Noise. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to be chewing on a few nuggets. For me, the mic drop moment was around minute 24, when Karenna said that she'd prefer to be rejected for who she is rather than accepted for who she isn't. I mean, damn, right? I imagine that means doing some emotional labor to be okay with solitude if that's what it takes until you find your peeps. And it occurs to me that this is a critical aspect of the journey towards self-acceptance and self-love. It's to be okay as you are and not care about what other people think. When you have the courage to let your freaky, unique self be known, you can attract like-minded weirdos who like to play life the same way you do. So let's cheers to that, shall we? Let's have a toast to more of us being seen and using that light as a beacon to draw others near. More noise to come. Until next week, keep mining and shining that inner gold.